So I'm going to start off my recap from the very of the series that made such profound and practical sense to me because in all that you want to do spiritually, it will still be surmised into an expression from your mouth. Pray fast. The ultimate trigger point that carries out all you have done is the declaration of your mouth. Are we together here with me? So, God now told us through his servant that for you to live well, which is the primary desire and dream of all mankind, to live well, you must master the hearts of speaking well. And without any ambiguity and complexity of interpretation between speaking and talking, he was clear enough to say, look, every mouth that is opening is not tantamount to speaking. For there are mouths that are opening and they are talking nonsense. That is, sense that has nothing in it. And as a result of that, nonsense talk would not attract the God kind of reward we're referring to. And so he started to, to contain and train us that opening your mouth is not the same thing as speaking God's word. That there is a way you speak that attracts the reward that God has in mind. And then he went further. You recall? For the one of last Wednesday, he now taught us. I've never, I've never seen him that, that explicit and thorough when he started to take the subject of speak well and enjoy favor. Now, for a little child that is seated amongst us or listening online, you can't understand the impact or the implication or the significance of favor until you are on a long queue trying to buy fuel. And you are there and you are looking at the fuel meter and it's about to be exhausted. And then you, you're in your, at home, the generator is down. Everybody, somebody needs light and you must go back home with fuel. And then all of a sudden from nowhere, the, 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 the filling station manager said, can you please call me that young man with tie, with the white shell and tie, please tell him to come forward. And then you step forward out of a crowd of 150. So what can I do for you? Say, oh, so thank you. I just need to fill my jerry can, my car and all that. And they call one of the manager, attend to him. Tell me, sincerely speaking, if that is a product of hard work. What do you call that? Favor. If you have not enjoyed favor in your life, that means for everything you have, you worked for it. And if you have to work for everything you have, I can bet you... You will grow older than you ever imagined. Favor is a critical prerequisite to have a very comfortable life. I desire favor, saints of God. Your Psalm 102. It says, the time to favor Zion has come. And now, is, there is provision for favor in the, Bible, in the Bible. The act of God that breaches all protocol. That's called favor. And then, he said, that favor itself has four components that can be guaranteed towards you. And I remembered on that Wednesday, it mentioned four things. And so we're going to have to start with that as a recap and see if our mind can see. Because some of you have a very excellent diary, but perhaps very little storage in the mind. And you know, let me bust your bubble here. Are you aware that the devil is not afraid of you quoting scriptures? It doesn't move him. Just like you know that the, pres- the, the presence of God does not scare the devil. I hope you know that. You know that now. I mean, he was in the presence of God in the story of Job. Jesus fasted for 40 days. He showed up after then. 
So your, the presence of God, the only thing that scares the devil is what the presence of God will do in your life. Are you here with me? So, he now told us that there are four things, and I took my time to study those four things. Who can recall the first one he mentioned? Thank you, Ma. Excuse me? Deference. Okay, I like that. You're a good student. But that was the orderly way he, he, he arranged it. I tried to recall it so well uh, while preparing. Can someone remember? The, the first one was, happens to be an English word we, we don't use frequently. God bless you. Tart. What is tact? Look at it on the, on the board. Tact is the art of making a point. You tact what? No, if you met a man who can speak with such intelligence, t- talking to people yet nobody holds animosity on him, what kind of man would you call such? You call him a great man. Can speak to over a hundred thousand people and nobody's begrudged. He's not speaking common things. It's tact. And I can tell you, when a man truly can speak with tact, in fact, the part of the tact that I got is that when you speak with sense, sense. Imagine you married a woman like Abigail who spoke with tact. What you, are, what you just read there is it's applicable to attract favor. Anybody wants to contest that statement? No. If you are a stupid talker, nobody will be endeared towards you. But if you are a sincere, intelligent, articulate, precise talker, believe me, you would attract at least a proportion of favor. Number two. What's the second thing he mentioned after tact? This is the, the ideal midweek service those of us that gave our life to Christ in the 80s. This is normal Bible study. In fact, normally in those days, they would have shared a pamphlet of Bible study that we're going to have. And then we'll go over everything like a typical. Because you can't grow just by hearing. That's why James was saying, be the doer. And doing starts from deep meditation. You can't meditate. You know that Joshua 1, 8, this book of the Lord should not depart out of your mouth. Meditate on it. Observe to do. Then you have good success. Not writing. So what's the second thing he said? Anybody. By the way, how many of us were around on that Wednesday service? Oh, great. Oh, fine. So, so I'm with the right students in class. What's the second thing that was mentioned? After tact. You don't have to put it in that order. You can come up with your own order. I understand difference. Difference is giving reference to people, knowing how to adore people, knowing how to, you know, someone said the rich can't come to church because some pastors are very careless and carefree, thinking everybody in congregation, they are the same. No, there's what we call social strata. Don't think we are all the same. So, every man of God knows that Zacchaeus and Jesus, Jesus knew that this man is not like the rest of them. Respect those that are in a different social strata from you. That is difference. I can't be struggling the same door with pastor. Pastor is coming and both of us are struggling to enter. Does that make sense to anybody? Will such a man want to do you favor? No, you can't want to enter a lift and Dangote wants to enter the same lift and you say, no, I got here before you. Would you do that? Mr. Okay, would you do that? They must have taught you difference to say, ah, please come in, sir. Thank you, sir. Does sir make you a lesser, a lesser human being? No, it's difference only taught in church. Anybody ever taught difference in a university before? No. No. I, I was sharing with a friend after the service on Wednesday. I said, Grace Assembly is the only place that if you enter there as an illiterate and you stay there for four years, they will think you are a graduate. Do you agree with me? The quality of intelligent discussion here, they will think you are a graduate. How many of us have heard of difference in your entire course study in school? Sorry, Emma Bino. Emma Bino. All right. 
But you know that when you understand the application of difference to a human being, both the high and the mighty, it opens the door of favor in your life. There is no benefit in being rude and obnoxious. You are so nasty and so, so, so careless. Hey, what's it? Who is he? Who is he? Who is he? He can change your life. A king, a king can give an instruction to kill you and nobody, no, nothing will happen. You must understand that everybody is not the same. Difference. So, I'm a pastor. We are age mates. The truth of the matter is, when it matters to when I should take a decision on your behalf, I will go against you. Because you look, you look rude and you are a mannerless human being. What's the second thing? Very critical. Because the beauty of coming to church on Wednesday is to come and sink further what you heard all the way from Sunday. Can you please remind me? I'm not even entering where I'm going home. Eh? Entreat. Though that is not the second one though. Alright? Entreat. What does entreat mean? Everything in life is not gra-gra. There is a way you can, there's a way you can appeal to a conductor that looks like a madman and his, his madness will calm down and he will respect you compared to the rest of the people. Your words are not seasoned with life and grace. Everything about you is fighting, cutlasses, knife coming out from your lips. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. You can't entreat your little boy. You can't entreat your house help. You can't entreat. The only people you want to entreat are those ahead of you. That is difference. If you know how to deal with everybody at their level, knowing the right words to speak, trust me, the day you go and submit your CV or project, project codes in, in, in an office and you were rude to the house, to the gate man, that gate man can be a problem. Remember Pastor Yomi said it here, that I'm constantly spending time with a particular driver. And if the driver, that driver that you have never entreated once, all because he's a driver, hey, watch my own car too. Look at the way you watch it. There will be a day that that driver will be pivotal to your next destiny. And that instruction is only taught in, it is never studied in law. It's not studied in medicine. How to entreat a fellow human being. Mm. Did they teach you in engineering? Okay, since you don't even want to join me in recap, let me just go on to the subject of today. Entreat? Anybody remember what? What? Winsome. Look at it there. Generally pleasing and engaging and full of words. Charm. You should not approach me and I have to cover my nose. Why are you smelling now? Is there an, an explanation for your body odor? There should be no logical explanation for it. Because what it takes to smell nice is very affordable by all. What is it? Clean up. Have your baths. Don't wear the same clothes that you slept with to work the following day. Because your aroma can, can chase away favor. How can you say good morning and have to close my nose? You know, people don't take the, the little details is what changes every story. Nobody would have taught you this in your classroom. Win some. Some students, they, they did so well in school that they won lecturers over. That where others are struggling to have the extra mark for the extra score, they win some nature in there and make the lecturer give them extra mark. You think is every mark you, 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 you got in school is a product of the exam you wrote? Some of them are product of a winsome attitude. Life cannot be a struggle if you understand all these four things. What's the last one? This thing was taught last Wednesday. This is just another seven days after. Don't make God a liar because of your attitude. What's the last one? Can. Thank you. Candor. 
you have to give compliment. There's a between compliment and flattery. Make the compliment real and original. For example, Minister Kewo is an amazing, fantastic leader. Is that a good compliment? Correct. His handling and management of the prayer depart- department is adorable. It's amazing. The way he manages um, G-Force is such a, a commendable one. Is that, is that compliment? Yes. Is that flattery? No! I would have expected someone to have clapped for him. You are beefing him. You know? The department you are handling, we can't say the same. The Lord will give you grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so today, because there's whole, a whole lot of our life that is tied to speak well, then you enjoy favor. All the things we have itemized are product of the things we say. All connected to our speech. So, meaning this thing that is called mouth is truly a decider of the quality of our lives. Pastor Yomi raised the prayer in, in his in last ministration. He said, wherever you have said the wrong thing and has backfired on your destiny, that heaven out of mercy will reverse it for us. And that prayer, I took it with all of my entire heart. As we're speaking now, somebody is making recommendations on your behalf somewhere. But that recommendation, if you don't understand the, the dynamics of what makes it happen, you will miss out. How can you imagine that you missed out on a favor because of body odor? You won't feel good even yourself. Let's learn these things. So we want to take it further on the journey of speaking well to live well. There is nobody here listening to me that has no desire to live well. Is there anybody like that in this auditorium? What would, what would you call the definition of living well? Can someone help me with that, that answer? What is the definition of a man that is living well? So that we don't speak in abstract. We have this image well drawn in our mind. Living well means what to you? Because I can imagine that living well to Minister Okewo and Minister Collins can be different. Things. Am I correct? Is it possible? Maybe Minister Wood would like to have a private jet. Maybe Minister Collins has phobia for, for, for heights, but he would rather have fleets or betleys. You know what I'm saying here? So living well could mean different things. Some people want to have about four, five children. Some just want two. Okay? So living well is relative. But let me just ask. There will be some common denominators to the definition of living well. What is your own definition of living well? Anybody, please. So it will help our perspective and then energize us to understand clearly what we're saying. What's your definition? Could you please give someone, Mike? Anybody just want to have definition of living well? Is it sleeping well? Is it eating well? Is it ability to have enough money? Is it having good health? What is your definition? All right, thank you. Good evening, church. Good evening. My name is Oluwa Tobiloba. My definition of living well is wanting something at a particular time and getting it at that particular time. Fantastic. Now we can celebrate and put our hands together and appreciate you. But is that very correct? Is that correct? Right now, I feel like eating Chinese. And stepping out from this pulpit, I just placed a order to Chinese restaurants and they brought it. Some people will not be able to execute that hard desire because once the thought enters their mind, the next thing that would enter their thought is what? How much do I have? You don't want your desires to be hindered. And what, what do you use the word? Restrained because you don't have the capacity to execute it. By the time you start to have such life cycle, it looks like the definition of instrumental frustration. Is that correct? Is that very true? So now, so you listen. The book of John, chapter, chapter 3, is only one, John, John, third John. You know, third John has just one book. And the verse 2 says, 
that God told us in that scripture, he said, God said, I wish above all things that what? That you may prosper in all things and be what? In good health. Just ask your soul what? Does this look like the definition of living well? Fantastic. Fantastic. So, this, the, the teaching from the man of God that speak well, live well, is to achieve this scripture. And let me say this to us. For everything we read in the Bible, it is an indication that it is possible in our lives. So, when you read it, it's only supposed to be a reminder that this thing can be a reality in my life. But we know today that not everybody who lived as a Christian fulfilled all the beautiful promises of the scriptures. Something must have happened. And it is what has happened that I think has happened is the direction we're going this evening. So this evening, I want to bring us a, 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 a continuous subject of the power of our mouth, but in another dimension, because you know that the word of God, the Bible said he sent a word to Jacob and it lighted in Israel. Meaning one word can cut across many issues. And so I want us to look at this one. Can I have my slide this evening, please? War of words. I was expecting some people to clap. And if you're not clapping, it's probably because you don't understand it. War of words. I want us to look at that image closely. And I'm going to ask a question. What do you think is going on in this image? Anybody, please give someone in mind because we really must get practical now. Interpretation of pictures affects the future. What do you think is going on in that image? Yeah, let's give it. Let's talk. This is midweek service. Verbal attacks. Verbal attacks. What are those things coming out out of their mouths? Bullets. Bullets. Anybody with a different view? Because it's about perspective. Someone said it is half full. Someone said it's half empty. It's perspective. Anybody else? Thank you. Look at that image. What is the interpretation from where you stand? Um, just verbal word, toxic words coming what? out from them. Toxic words. Mm. That's a perspective also. Any other person with a different perspective? Interpretation of the image. Make it snappy, make it snappy. I want to say the blue, the blue, uh, blue uh, bullets is the blue, the blue bullets is the positive words. Why the red one is negative? As you see, that's a perspective. Let me ask the second question. This image come across to me as two people having a verbal war. All right. Somebody who can decide the winner out of the two of them. Who can decide the winner? The red will win? Or the blue will win? Good. Let me ask the third question. <laughs> what do you think is one thing that can end this battle? Ah, a blessed man. Can you give him the mic and let me hear his answer? What do you think is one thing that either of them can do and that battle will end? Silence from one of them. One of them, once one of them shuts the mouth, the battle is what? Over. Sense of God, what you have interpreted here is not what I want to say. 
what I'm going to interpret from what I, um, um, what you have on the screen, is that life is a war front, a battleground. Okay. And that battle is usually compressed for your fasting, for your prayer, is usually compressed and decided by our utterances. Is that correct? Is that correct? So, for everybody seated here, whether we admit it or not, you are born into this world and there is a battle that is ongoing. Whether you are aware, whether you are contributing to it, whether you ask for it or not, that battle you must fight. As a matter of fact, let me give it a clearer illustration. Life is illustrated from three perspectives. Number one, life can be perceived to be a farmland. Is that correct? Where the law of sowing and reaping takes place. Whether you want to reap is going to be determined from what you have sown. Is that correct here? So every day of our life is either a day of seed or a day of harvest. Today you have sown seed. It can be a harvest tomorrow. You can't escape it. And it will shape in the quality of your destiny. What you sow and what you reap. Now, don't blame anybody. Don't hold anybody responsible. You are currently where you are. It's traceable to the seeds that you have sown. You don't have to disagree. So if there is something you should be mindful in life, be mindful of what you put in the soil of life. Life can be perceived to be a farmland. Number two, life is a race. Life is what? A race. Running. In time. Someone said, I did not wake up, I did not go out. It does not mean that time will not go. Time will go. You are doing everything that is measured by the factor and the force of time. As a matter of fact, I will say this to some of you. If they remove the element of time from the life of a man, most of us will be careless and carefree. As a matter of fact, our pressure can probably be reduced by 60%. If I suddenly know that there is nothing called death in my storyline, that I will not really, really, really experience death, that I will be here for the next 3 million years, I answer this question, would I be in a hurry for anything? No! So there is the energy and the force of time that is putting us on our toes to do what we have to do quickly. Quick, tick, tick the clock, tick, tick. What you have to do, do quick. You must understand that that is something you must put into consideration the moment you wake up from your bed. And for example, these days, when was the day we said July 1st? What's today's date? It's going. Whether you are going, it's a different ball game. But time is what? Moving. Something to reflect on. So as you are seated, you are asking, am I using my time well? By the time you are 80 years old, you will be compelled to look back and ask yourself the fundamental critical question. What have I done with my life? As a matter of fact, the, the good thing about that question is that nobody will be there to answer it for you. Only you. And it's only in church we can resonate such consciousness in you consistently. To say, Farabale, calm down and articulate your life and journey properly. Structure your life. Time is important. You can't control it. And it's the same given to everyone. The last thing that you need to know about life is that life is what? 
a battle ground. Something and someone is fighting. I want us to read a scripture today from the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 12 from verse 37. We're going to read about 11 verses there. And that will portray the image you've seen clearly. And then it will drive home the message, the fact that if we are going to, if we are going to, if we are going to enjoy the reward of life, then you must be prepared that there is a battle to fight. Matthew chapter 12, verse 13. He said what? For by your words, what did, what did he say? You will be justified. By what? Not your hand, your leg. By what you are saying with your mouth. And by your words, you'll be what? What does this mean to you? That the outcome of your life and destiny is a function of what is coming out of your buka cavity. Your mouth. Now, I want us to now read. If this story you're about to read was acted out by one of the apostles, we will have in a way undermine it. Can you please give me Matthew chapter 4 from verse 3? Matthew chapter 4 from verse 3. Now, when the tempter came, please sip this wine with me gently. When the tempter came, who invited the tempter? Because right now you are asking, Tani Moshe, what did I do? Why is life like this? Who is just against me? And some of you, they have even lied to you that the person doing you is mommy, is your wife. It's your husband. They are that, you are, currently, you are living with that lie at the back of your heart. But this is a, a true life event from the man we call our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, when the tempter came to him, he did what? He said, he said, who said here? Read it now. Read it here. Follow me, please. The Bible is real. Now, when the tempter came to him, the him there is who? Jesus. Who said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Bear in mind that there was never an invitation to this man. What do you think is the motive in the back of Satan to show up for this? What was his motive? That's number one question. Number two, was Jesus a sinner at this point before the devil showed up on him? No. So it wasn't that Jesus sinned. Before you start over, over whipping yourself and killing yourself and beating yourself that you are going through what you are going through because you have sinned somewhere. That, that, is, that could be a possibility. But in this true life story, Jesus was not a sinner. As a matter of fact, if you read the story very well, this, this, this should have been the wrongest time Satan should have showed up. Now when the tempter came, you are the son of God, command these stones and come bread. Let's go on, please. But he did what again? So, the first one that was on, which side should be the Christian? The red or the blue? The blue? We should take the blue. Where the blue? Chelsea blue? No. I don't like Chelsea. I'm my you. <laughs> now, let's take the blue. So, we imagine that Jesus is the blue and the red guy also showed up. All of them with bullets in their mouth. And the first one shot. Boom! Now in a moment, imagine. The moment the devil shot at him. Boom! 
without question. Jesus just went, hmm. Hmm. What do you think would happen instantly? What do you think sincerely? The moment he shot at him, bah, like somebody can be seated there, and you suddenly have a sharp headache, and you went, hmm. Hmm. What do you think would happen instantly? The moment he shot at Jesus, bah, with a bullet of his mouth, it is written. Yeah. Now, frankly speaking, what was going on here? It was a battle. Initiated by who? Jesus wanted it. Now, maybe you don't know. Let me not bore you with your story. You must have been familiar with this story. This was after 40 days of fasting and prayer. I would have imagined that this devil is saved. He has effrontery and courage. A man just finished fasting. 40 days, 40 nights. Is that the best time you should show up? Because by that time, you have assumed that the anointing on Jesus will be exceptional. That should scare him away. Hey, uncle, if you could show up on Jesus, you have not even fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Oh. You, you, for even three days, you are, you are saying, ah, ah, ah. He showed up on a man. A man that is aware that he's not an ordinary man. You, you. And he showed up on him. And the man said, as he said, he's on fire. Jesus gave him a fire, 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 fire. It is written. And that's what we call the war of words. Our battles are designed by the forces of darkness to achieve what? Completely resigned to a useless life. Completely. The devil has no other objective for a fight in us but for us to resign into what? A useless, no reckon, no reference life. And I can ask a question here. If this story were to be read, read it on, I would have asked, where was God when this battle was going on? Because he expected that Jesus was matured enough to know what to do. A lot of us are dealing with battles that the enemy is threatening everything about our configuration. And at this point, some people are getting a bit tired and they think the battle is so prolonged that would they ever have a victory? Saints of God, you are not the first man. As a matter of fact, while I was studying for this teaching, it dawned on me again that the most peaceful place in the entire universe that should have been, where time is not, has no influence, heaven. Heaven should have been the most peaceful place in the whole universe. Yet, the Bible told us that the origin of war started from there. I'm not lying here. Ezekiel chapter 28. So, if everyone is not exempted for war, from war, ah, Oga, you better live with the consciousness that this is real. War is real. War is real. Without saying anything to you, the outcome of war is decided by who? The outcome of war is decided by who? By the strongest. So if right now you are feeling so submerged and overwhelmed with all the forces and attack and you are about to give up, it's an indication that you are growing weak. And the weaker you go, the faster you lose the war. When you lose the war, you are a gunner. So this meeting tonight is to say before you totally throw in the towel and say, I am not doing again. Realize that if he attacked God, you know, I, I even asked, Mr. Okewo, okay, well, please follow me on this gist. I even asked a question. What exactly did Lucifer 
What did he tell the other angels that made them change their own mind to forsake God and follow him? But when any tact, Lucifer, he demonstrated tact, entreat, candor, win some, and he actually won some. What exactly did he say to them that they were, he, he emboldened them enough to depart from this, the, the place some of us are dreaming to go? If he did that in the presence of God, saints of God, you can't be exempted from the battles of life. The consciousness of this reality will position you to ask the critical question What do I need to do to be a winner? Because you're losing, it's not a compliment. Nobody benefits. Like I used to joke, I joked this uh, with my friends. I said, there is no direct benefit to poverty. Nothing good can come out of poverty. Anybody wants to show me one good thing from poverty? Nothing good can come out of a life that is useless. Anna, you, you must believe me here with all sincerity of heart. Nobody came from heaven with a useless life. Anybody around you that you label, ah, this is a terrible life. Trust me. It wasn't that he came to this, this earth terrible. He lost practically a lot of battles. Now, so let us ask a question by conversation. Which area of life does the enemy fight men? He fights marriages. Right? He fights children. He fights health. As I speak, some people are battling. Just lately we had an incident of one of our own good Nigerian guy that left. When I read the remark of the wife, this is what the wife wrote. He said, and he fought well, but he lost. May our story not end that way. First John 5, 4. He said, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. One of the things God is guaranteed to do in this service, that tonight marks the last day you will lose a battle in your life. I can tell you, the aroma of victory is better than the agony of failure. No, no, if you have never seen failure, when I was preparing, I wrote it down in my notes. This is one teaching that a child cannot understand. What, how do you tell a child, Ogunlayo? How do you put it to a child? Life is war. It's not for the weak-hearted. It's not for the chicken-hearted. It's war. John the Baptist said it. Remember that scripture, John 5, John 11, 12? From the day John showed up till date, they are still fighting and the fighting goes on. The fighting that is going on on the planet right now is overwhelming. And I believe strongly that tonight's message is to reposition someone's mind to know that, look, it's not a time to cry. It's to go and ask what is the strategy for winning. Because you can win. As I speak, some people are fighting the battle of when would I have a child? Believe me, trust me, if you don't do the right thing to win, I ask you a question. One of the women that was tormented with childbearing, her name happens to be Hannah. Hmm? Did Anna ever look at Penina with an attitude of animosity? No, because Penina is not a problem. Neither was Heli. I mean, what's the name of the husband now? Um, Hannah's husband. Ekana. Ekana was not her husband. But it was glaring that Hannah had one battle to deal with in life. Like some of us, there is a current dominant battle in your own life. And I will say this to you free of charge. Take it home. Don't give anybody. 
Any area of your life that the enemy is attacking the most is an indicator to his, an indication that that is his purpose, his will, because the devil will never fight what he does not fear. Any area of your life that you are finding is, things are tough in that area. Meanwhile, other areas of your life, you get it easy. Very easy. You get your job easy. You, you go for an interview, they, they get you. Now to marry, you realize that you are just roaming around that mountain. That tells you that that marriage will give back to great sons and instruments in the hand of God. And the only thing you can tell yourself tonight, thank you, Pastor Steve, I'm going to face this battle, gather all the arsenal, gather all the weapons, and win. I will not leave this planet a loser. I will win the battle of prosperity. That is my battle. Because I told God at the age of 16, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be, I want to be a pillar in the house of God, a financial pillar. And God navigated my life that all I was doing was financial solution services. But I was not told. It doesn't come rosy, boy. Jesus, Jesus gave some women. You know when they killed all the age mates of Jesus? We failed to admit that some of the children there were, that was killed because of Jesus, that some of those children could have been the only child of some mothers. The arrival of one son bereaved some women. But, like I say, those people are just what we call collateral damage. You know collateral damage? Casualties of war. May we not be casualties of war. Whatever area of your life that the enemy is dragging with you is a pointer to a perfect will of God for an expression beyond your comprehension. It's a point. For, for example, if devil is fighting marriage, fighting your marriage to turn name, let me give you a just little origin. It's an indication that this, that marriage must stay because out of that marriage, a child called a savior is coming forth. My finance, I must win because out of it, many ministries will grow. Don't consider. Now, so let me give you something that you need to hold on to very quickly. The scripture for tonight in that slide, can we go back to the slide? Let's look at it. Read the scripture underneath. Luke 21 verse 15. What does it say? Because I will give you what? The ability to speak and what? Along with what? Wisdom. For what? That none of your opponents can what? Or refute. What this scripture simply points to you that the reason why some battles in your life are lingering longer than normal is that though you are opening your mouth, but it's not with commensurate wisdom. So, for example, I'll give you another very lovely illustration. The, the battle of wars between David and Goliath. Picture it in your mind. So, here is a tall-looking lanky man. So overly confident that what will this little boy do to me? And you and I know that that boy called David didn't have a sword with him. Didn't have no gun, no knife. He must have learned something by the strange wisdom of God. And he stood before him and said, are you the one they've been referring to as the one defiling the army of Israel? What manner of confidence is that? And the guy looked at him and said, you little brats, what is encouraging you? What's your inspiration? 
And the Bible told us that. He said, this day, today, that sword you are holding, that particular sword you are holding, that is the same sword I will use to decapitate you. Saints of God. It sounds like a good story. Picture the current Goliath in your own life. What are you saying to the Goliath? Are you saying something like, You know people talk like that. This problem is too much for me. It's unbearable. And the next thing your mind will think of is alternative. Did David consider an alternative? No. Will, did the Goliath die? No. So let's ask, was it the stone that killed Goliath? Do you think it was the stone that David threw at Goliath that killed Goliath? No. It was the words that he spoke. That, because if, if David had removed his sneakers and threw it at Goliath, Goliath still would have died. So he died by virtue of the conversation before the literal falling on the ground. A mouth and a wisdom I will give you. If you can get it, then you are guaranteed of defeating your opponents. Why must you fight? Why must you fight? Why must you engage in this battle? Can't you just leave it and go? I have heard people say things like, my life does not like stress. Anybody familiar with that sentence? No, my life, voila. In fact, some people have taken it further. They said anything stronger than banana. I can't eat it. Eh? I studied Job. And I asked myself, when I studied the story of Job, the very first time God spoke to Job, God looked at Job with such a very interesting question. He said, Job, can you, can you please put yourself together as a man? And I was like, God, of all the things this man has gone through, this is all you can say? He should gather himself up as a man. Has he not been man enough? You know why I would say that? Whatever God throws at you, believe me, God knows in his heart. He said, have you read that scripture in Corinthians? Say, for every temptation, everything you are going through, please believe me, believe me on this. Whatever I am dealing with today that looks like a mountain, God is well aware that I have the capacity to deal with it. It will never take, it will never throw something bigger than you at you. If you think your story is bad, listen to someone else's own and switch places. I was at the Kedja bus stop today, just a little digression, and I saw a young man lying on the floor, practically crippled in every part of her joints, where there is anywhere you can see bone. The guy is crippled, tied with, with this um, 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 rubber tire to avoid bruises on his leg. Okay, so, you pass by such a man, you with your two legs, good hands, heading towards a place of clear vision. Would you in any second desire to replace yourself with that man? No. Now, where you are, do you complain? Do you complain? Okay, so what kind of complaint should come out from that man? Is this not Ye, the son of Abraham? 
Oh, what was the man's sin to be in that to be in that condition? Okay, so maybe the pastor are not getting his that. Because he's in that condition, does that reduce his desire for good things in life? Whatever God throws at you, you have the capacity. If God had switched place with some of us to be in that man, some people will take sniper instantly. Whatever God throws at you, you have capacity to handle it. Why must we fight? I wrote down here. You must fight because you're on assignment from God and you must go back to God with the accountability of victory. If God told Minister Kerwo, Minister Kerwo, by the time you are leaving planet Earth, you should have sponsored nothing less than 50 students to university. By default, where do you think the devil will attack if you were the devil? Where? His finances. So, if Mr. Wona said to himself, I can't cope with this battle, I can't cope with this finance, I'm trying everything possible. And now that he, he kept, you know, the way, there's a way you can complain, 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 complain that the promised land will be taken from you. You know, they left Egypt, complained, didn't allow them to see the promised land. Complain, 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 and then you grow old in the wilderness and then you will go. Because some of us need to understand that leaving this planet is to go and give accounts over there. We go and give account of our life. And so Mr. Kewo will now say to God, I tried my best, but I could not raise 50 students to university. Would God accept that from you? No. So, you cannot afford to disappoint God. You will not die barren. You will not die barren. God ordained you to have a child. You will not leave this planet without that child. That is the kind of resolution you need to tell yourself. You cannot afford to fail God is the reason why you must stand strong and fight the battle. Number two, for you to have access to the fullness of God's plan and purpose for your life, there would always be giants in the land. Am I correct here? Exodus told us that story very clearly. Exodus 23 verse 29. Listen to what he said here. Very interesting statement from God. Very. Pay attention to this. When they left Egypt to the promised land, the journey originally was how many days? 40 days. For some reason, it prolonged to how many years? Who, has anybody ever studied the Bible to know the reason why it went to 40 years? Maybe I should show you. He said the reason why they can't enter the promised land yet is because that land they are going is filled with beasts. And if they should enter like this, the beast will what? Consume them. Pay attention to the common sense there. Meaning, where you ask, what you ask God to give you, God is saying, you don't, you don't appear ready to face the giants at the other side. Because at the other side, there are giants. Minus this beast story, they are the Amalekites, you know, on their journey, they fought Amalekites, they fought this place. Man, saints of God, the story is still the same till date. On your way to destination, on your way to the place of glory, you will fight the Amalekites. What you are dealing with is not a product of your iniquity. It's a proof that you're on a journey to greatness. You will fight them. So, hearing this kind of instruction, is it a good time to be lazy? No. When you leave this service, it's time to tell yourself, no way, I won't give up. I must fight myself to victory. Number three reason why you must fight. 
the enemy we are fighting. Let me read something to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Maybe we need to see that, and that would help us on my number three point. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. He said, For though we live in the natural, we walk in the flesh. We do not what? We do not war according to what? This fight we are referring to is not fight with your neighbor. Listen, let's read further. Let's read further. Verse 4. For the weapons of our war, they are not carnal. They are not knives, guns, or fists blowing somebody. No. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are what? Mighty in God. For doing what? Pulling down strongholds. The stronghold is an enemy, right? Let's go further, verse 5. Casting down what? Arguments. Two, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every what? Every thought into captivity of obedience to Christ. Can we go on, please? And being ready to punish what? All disobedience. Please, if it's your Bible, underline the word, punish all disobedience. When what? Your obedience is what? Fulfilled. So let me ask the question here. Did you see the name of anybody on that list? Did you see your, your mommy's name there? Your tenant? You know, your in-law? Are their names there? All the things listed there as the enemies. Which, of them, which, which one of them is physical? None. None. The weapons itself, are they physical weapons? No. We can't live in this bubble and think everything around us. We just walk automatically. There is a time for war. And the weapons are there. Then if you looked at the weapon very well from Ephesians chapter 6. Can we have Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10? So that we can look at those weapons one by one again. And then when you look at the weapon closely with the lens. You will realize that. Finally my brethren be strong where? In the Lord. And on the power of his might. If these things are not necessary. They won't write you there. Finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Please go for that. Verse 11. Put on what? The whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? Stand against the what? Wiles of the devil. Okay? Go for that. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Look at them again. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. They are not there to scare us, but they exist. They are not there to scare us. Let's go for that, please. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now, so listen to the various armor. Verse 14. Stand therefore, having guarded your waist with what? Truth. That's one of your weapons. Put on the best bit of what? Righteousness. Please move further. Having shot your feet with what? Preparation of the gospel of peace. Then go further. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which we what? Be able to quench. All the fairy dust of the wicked. Now stop there. Saints of God. With the illustration and the scripture I've given to you, it's a clear indication that we are surrounded and there's a necessity to be prepared for war. This your overnight sleeping and doing things anyhow, it won't take you to your destination. But pay attention to what he said here. He said this mouth that we are using is the nosu, the nosu for the heart. The heart is what? The trigger that releases the bullet. 
told the man. One of the definitions the man of God gave about language. He said language, he said thoughts addressed in languages. Master what heaven is saying. Then you can deal with the opponents of life. Your thoughts is the trigger. Your mouth is the nostril that you release the bullets from. Can I have my slide again? War of words. How we give you a mouth and what? A wisdom that none of your adversary from tonight. I pray a prayer. Anyone who is partnering with my enemy to deal with me, everyone will bring them to judgment. Now that amen is not good enough. Anyone partnering with an adversary to deal with your life, heaven will bring them to judgment. Be prepared tonight to understand that I will not be silent. I will always worship you as long as I am breathing. I will always worship you. Entering the season of reward is not a season to be quiet. When they say it at you, reject it and return it back to them. Time is gone. I want you to please rise on your feet. Certainly not exhausted what I have written here. But I'm going to drop three things with you before you pray. Three things you need to do with your mouth. Number one, as they say it to you anywhere, in a bus, in any conversation, whether in a sleep or you are just walking and you felt this nasty headache, the next thing that should come out of your mouth, like you, let this image stay in your head, is to shoot at it back. Boom! Ah! Nigeria Oda, say I reject it. It's very good for me. Is that correct? Ah! The way you are going, I'm not sure you will get married though. I reject it. That is not what the Lord said concerning me. Now, friends, if you don't master how to reject what they are throwing at you, anytime someone says anything negative, what he did was to shoot a gun. What do you need to do back? You shoot it back. You know how they say it? Don't let it land at all. As they are saying it, it should not land. Back to sender. I give you that instruction. Say it back at them. Number two things you should do with your mouth. Numbers, 42, Numbers 14 verse 28. He said, as I hear you say, I will do. Numbers 14 28. As I hear what you are saying. So this is how you say things. Listen to this. I don't expect anybody who is alone at home to constantly be quiet. I don't expect you to do that. When you are at home, you are in the kitchen, you are either praying in tongues, or you are declaring what? I have made it. Every mountain on my way will melt. Anyone that says I will not have a child, heaven will disgrace them. Saints of God, do you know why you need to talk? You don't know when and how they are saying their own. And Numbers 14, 28. He said, as I hear you say it, I will do. How long should he say it? Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Number three, speak, speak things that you want to see. The scripture said in Romans 4, 17, he said, he called those things that be not as though they were. What you want to see before now and December, saints of God keep saying it. Don't let your mouth be useless. I will not be silent. I will keep saying what God wants me to say. In one moment, I want you to tell that prayer point in that scripture. Lord, give me a mouth and a wisdom that my enemy from tonight will never gain say. Lord, give me a mouth 
it has come to an end to say nonsense out of my mouth. From tonight, Lord, give me a mouth and a wisdom that the enemy will never be able, when you're speaking with your boss, Lord, I receive wisdom to address my boss. I receive a mouth that the enemy cannot take away. My opponents will not defeat me. Anywhere I go to, a mouth and a wisdom that the enemy will never gain say. Father, I give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Can we take that song one more time? I will not be silent. I will always worship you. As long as I am breathing, I will always worship you. be able to win. We receive wisdom in an unusual way. Thank you for your word tonight, Lord.